0: Well, good morning, everybody. Got a few more still coming in to find their seats. Welcome, welcome. Thanks for joining us in Sutherland Springs this morning. We're going to go ahead and get our service started with a song as we normally do. And uh, in keeping with the Christmas time thing that's happening right now, we're going to sing, O Come All He Faithful. So why don't we stand and let's sing it together.
1: Oh,
2: Amen. It's good seeing everybody this morning. I praise the Lord for each one of you. Isn't it great that we can come and sing Christmas carols unto our Lord and Savior? What better place to do so as well in God's house? Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. It's good seeing everybody this morning, and and there's no better way to start any service than in prayer. So as we've been singing these carols unto him already, let's also go to him in prayer. Father God, I just thank you that we can gather together. And and God, we sing unto you all throughout the week, each month of the year. But right now, as we've gathered together to celebrate your coming, that greatest gift ever given to man, this month we've set aside to celebrate that birthday when you came. But, Father, we also know that if there had not been an Easter, then this wouldn't have mattered. But with Easter, you proved, you showed, shown the world, and you shown death, hell, and the grave, that you are God. And through your sacrifice, we can now have salvation. So I pray this morning... That as we have gathered together in this place, if there's one person here that does not know you, that this be the day they choose life over death. That this be the day that they will hear your word. And Father, I pray that the rest of us that do know you, may we leave out of here knowing that we bowed down and we worshiped and we served the true king. May you look down from heaven and say, those are my children in Sutherland Springs. Truly, not just singing songs, not just shaking hands, truly worshiping me. Father, I pray that you will be able to say those, those, are well, those servants that are doing well and doing good. Father, we give you all praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Hallelujah. As I said, it's good to see everybody this morning. That Praise God for you. We've got a lot of people still traveling. We need to keep them in prayer. A lot of vacations have started. But guys, let's walk around a second right now. Shake somebody's hand, give them a hug. Just tell them it's good to see them in God's house this morning.
1: Said the night went to the little land. Do you see what I see? Do you see what
3: I see?
1: Way up in the sky, little land. Do you see what I
3: see? Do you see what I see?
1: A star, a star Dancing in the night with a tail as big as a kite, with a tail as big as a kite. Said the little lamb to the shepherd boy, Do you hear what I? Ringing through the sky, shepherd boy, do you hear what I
3: hear, do you hear
1: what I hear? A song, a song, high above the tree, with a voice as big as the sea. Boy, to the mighty King. Do you know what I know? Do you
3: know what
1: I know? In your palace, warm mighty King. Do you know what I know? Do you know what I know? A child, a child.
2: seats this morning. We got just a few announcements I want to make sure to present to you guys. There is no evening service tonight, so if you're planning on coming this evening, there is no evening service. But the reason why there is no evening service is because we are uh, having our Christmas party after the service today. So I want to encourage you to stay and we're going to have dinner on the grounds. We're going to have fellowship. We're just going to have a good time. Uh, the, the young adults are presenting this, this ch- the party back into the church to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen, Amen. yeah. So everybody's encouraged to come. Everybody's encouraged to stay. And and let's just have a great day of fellowship. But no services this evening uh, to do that. Now, that being said, we have a big weekend coming up next weekend as well. Next weekend, Saturday, is our toy delivery. When all the motorcyclists, we come and do our toy run, our toy presentation. You're welcome to come and be a part of that. But leading up to that... We need to make sure that you guys have had the opportunity to give onto this situation and to these kids as well. If God has laid it on your heart, we, we have our toy drive. The toys get put under the tree over here. But if God's laid it on your heart, you have a few more days to be able to bring those toys in. But then the, the Rod and the other helpers here, but it's Judy and such, they'll start divvying them up to the kids we have on our list by age and such as that. So we really need to get them here by Wednesday. Would that be right, Rod? Maybe Wednesday? 10, 11, 12-year-olds is what we're primarily short on. So if you could get something, if God's laid it on your heart to give to the toy drive, uh, we're primarily short on 10, 11, 12-year-olds. And, and if you could get that here by Wednesday, that way we can make sure we have everything to, to separate out and make, make this. When we deliver these toys to these children, some of them, this may be all that they get, but we are also able to deliver with it. Yes, we have the motorcycles. Yes, we, we have costumes. Yes, we have all this stuff. But when we let them know that this is from First Baptist Church at Sutherland Springs and it's from Christ, God the Holy Father, who we celebrate his birthday this year. When we let them know this is about Christmas, it's about Christ, that's getting that message out there. Amen? Amen? Not only are we then reaching the children through the toys, but we're reaching parents with the message. And together, God will use that to plant seeds. So I want to encourage you, if God's laid it on your heart to give, then please do so. Bring some toys up. If God's laid it on your heart to go and ride with us to to see the faces of these kids, we're revamping it some this year. It won't be as long. and We're having more central locating areas that we're going to deliver to. Come, be a part of it, and let's just put hands and feet to the ministry God gives us. Amen? Okay. What else? You know, I think, uh, oh, I was talking about next weekend. That, that's on the Saturday. Sunday night next week is our Christmas caroling. If you haven't been a part of that, with the, the fire department comes and leads us. Rod will be pulling the trailers. We're, we're going to be out on a couple of trailers, and we drive around this neighborhood and up and down the streets singing Christmas carols. Come back, and we'll have some, uh, I would say, hot chocolate and cookies, but we live in a desert. We may have some iced tea and some cookies next week. I don't know. <laughs> it's been so hot for Christmas, but the, um, come and we're just going to sing and we're going to have a good time and we're going to enjoy just singing praises to the Lord and singing to our community and letting them see the joy of Christ in our lives. Amen. Hallelujah Hallelujah is right. I think we're going to stop there for a moment and ask Sherry Kay to come up because she has some exciting news for us. You want to explain what it is first?
4: So ignore this, ignore the curtain. Okay. Don't quit your day job. (laughs) Um, (laughs) From the secretary. Um, So, Lottie Moon, as everybody knows, we're doing a Lottie Moon Christmas. Hopefully, you know. Christmas offering and our goal is 1500 this year and you still have time if you haven't had time to pick up the prayer guides I think there are still some out in the, on the information counter um, to pray through the rest of December and if you're going to make an offering you can either write in the memo line Lottie Moon so we know that it's designated for Lottie Moon or you can well do that for sure and you can either use an envelope Just drop them in the tithing columns at the back. Um, The offering goes toward missionaries overseas and everything, and 100% of it goes toward the missionaries. So it's a great offering to do. So currently we are at...
2: Amen. And as she said, what a, what a wonderful thing to give to because, because again, this is, that goes directly to our foreign missionaries and a, a, a way of supporting foreign missionaries sharing the gospel out into the world. Um, toy Run, Toys Caroling. Yes, ma'am. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 So if you didn't hear Miss Marjorie, she said the prayer guides out front has been an incredible blessing reading and hearing and reading the stories that's going on overseas. It helps you put a face to the prayers as we pray for our missionaries. So I encourage you to take part in that. Also, too, our, new, our newsletter is out on the front table. If you have not gotten the digital version, if you'd rather the digital version, please give it Julie and let her know or Wendy. But if you would rather the hard copy, they are out there on the front table as well. Now, one more little thing, and I'm not going to go as long on it as I did in Sunday school. However, I do want to do, say something that I presented in Sunday school that I feel as though is important enough for everyone to hear. And then we'll get back to, to worshiping, go, get back to Dave, David, come up to the scripture reading. Just last week, I presented a sermon to you guys about how James warns us to watch our mouths, to watch our tongues, to keep them in control. And one of the problems we have is we think, oh, that means just don't cuss or just don't do this. No, we need to watch our mouths in all things. It should be something that we edify one another and glorify God with. Christians are, no, are notorious for talking about one another or shooting one another or t- calling one another names. Doing things that hurts the body of Christ. So Jesus, when he was accused, they said, well, he is a Beelzebub. What did he say? He said, a house divided upon itself cannot stand. And when Christians attack one another, guys, what happens then is that, that house falls apart. We are one body. Now, I say this for this reason. There are things within Scripture that you can stand dogmatically on. When God says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes unto the Father, but by me, that is something we have a scriptural, doctrinal thing to stand on, and we can make a dogmatic stand upon that, because there's no gray area. It's very clear. When he says that there is no remission of sins without the shedding of blood, well, that, is a, that is a dogmatic statement. There's something there. There's no discussion there. But there are other areas within scriptures, and that's why you have different denominations and different conversations and different Bible studies. That's not as clear. And what happens, you can come together and discuss. And if both parties are looking for truth, then that's a great thing. But if one party is looking to just win an argument, what happens is that one or the other starts calling names and doing ugly things. And that's when it's wrong. There's things to debate, but not divide over. If somebody says there's more roads to heaven than Jesus Christ, okay, that's a dividable thing. We have a a major problem. But if somebody says something, well, you know, I think speaking in tongues means this or this. You know, we can discuss, we can talk about it. But let's get back to the gospel if somebody starts getting upset about it. If we cannot show in the scriptures a solid, firm argument for what it is, then it's probably not something that we need to divide over. And even more so, it surely is not something to start calling one another names about. There is no reason anywhere in the Scriptures to start calling each other names. Now, let me take that one step further. When we are looking within Scripture, there, is a, there are some terms that may not mean much in the world, but in the Christian church it does. When you call somebody or say something to the effect of, uh, like, well, he is a or she is a false teacher, what you are saying at that point is that person is maliciously trying to turn people away from God. Just like Satan did in the Garden of Eden to Eve. You can't say that if somebody just has a difference of opinion with you. Just because your opinion and you can't back it up where it's dogmatic does not fit that other person's opinion does not mean that you have been given the license to call them names. That's just not watching our mouths. We need to use our mouths to build up, to glorify, to edify, and that's what God has called us to do. When we start calling one another names or pushing each other or ostracizing one another because we don't agree on every little thing, you're the one in the wrong. Because I promise you, as I said this morning, there's, there is not one person in this room that has it, everything right. Nobody on this side of glory understands everything there is to know in the Bible. No one. The only one that did is Jesus. And even then, as he was a man, what did he say in the garden? Not my will, but thine be done. In other words, I'm looking for another option here. But I acquiesce unto you, God the Father. No one on this side of glory knows it all. And there's a good chance that sometimes in those kind of disagreements, there's a little bit of right in both sides. But when one side or the other determines that it's time to just start calling names and pushing that person away, that's when you've crossed the line that should have never been crossed. So when the scripture says, and James has warned us to watch our mouths, to watch our tongues, that means so much more than don't say a curse word. I mean, yeah, don't say curse words. Sure. Especially when they're offensive to other people that are around you at the time. But guys, you'll do much more harm, not with curse words, but by calling names and talking about one another. So when James says to watch your mouths, to watch your tongue, to tame that tongue, What did he say? God's the one who does the taming. So I want to encourage you this morning, turn your mouths, your tongues, and all that over to Christ. And if we are truly trying to glorify Christ and edify one another, talking bad about one another is not going to be in our vernacular. Amen? Amen. Amen. That was my little issue this morning. But I'm going to call David up. He's going to give us our scripture reading this morning. Amen. Father God, I just lift up my brother to you this morning. I just pray that you would just use him as as he is willing to open the scripture. May you speak through him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.
5: Hello, church. You know, a lot of times I say, hello, church, and I get a response that's overwhelming because I think you're paying attention. But, you know, hello, church also means, hello, my Christian brothers. Hello, my Christian sisters. Hello, God's people. That's not what this is about today, but I just thought I'd throw that in. You know, uh, Frank wouldn't have said what he just said. I was going to call him a mean-spirited, bald-headed preacher, but I, I don't want to do that now. You know, last week, as he just reiterated, he, Frank spoke on James and uh, our, our tongue. And uh, Miss Sheila and I, years and years and years ago, used to talk about this being our favorite book in the Bible. Because uh, I was always trying to help Miss Sheila, because she's, she's already admitted this morning, she's very obstinate and hard headed. I warned her I was going to say that. But James is a wonderful book, and um, I probably will start teaching on that on Thursdays when we're through with Mark in a month or two or three or four, however long it takes to get through. You know, um, every time I come up here, I get sentimental. I took two Adderall to try not to let that happen so I could focus and keep my, my concentration this morning. November 3rd, 2017. That should ring a bell because two days later we know what happened there. I get a call, or actually I get a text from Frank and I sometimes include this in my testimony when I go across different places and speak. And I I got this text that Brian Holcomb was going to do the church service Sunday the 5th and he would forgot about who was going to do his Sunday school class. And did I see Ms. Chester? Hi, Ms. Chester. And uh, I actually told Ms. Chester this story yesterday at the kiddo's party. You know, Frank put in there, he's asking me if I would do it. And whether he remembers this text or not, I, I surely will always remember it. Because I'd been f- I'd been a few years prior to that away from God. But I'd been back for a couple or two or three, but just not in the position that you may see me today. I don't mean position in the church, but position in in recognizing the glory of God. But he said these words to me. He says I'd like you to do Sunday morning uh, Bible study. And then he said, I trust you. And I always t- turn around and tell people we're not to live for our pastors, accolades, or or anything else. But because of where I'd been, whether he knew it or not, it meant a lot. Here it is today, two years later, and I'm telling you about it because it, it, it... uh. It meant to me that my pastor had recognized the 180-degree turn that I'd made in my life. So today, as you know, my pastor must trust me because uh, I'm up here reading scripture. I do a service on Thursdays, and I tell people that he... uh, He said, I could have that until I didn't want it anymore, or until he kicks me out, one of the two. I wanted to lead in to this scripture in James with what I just said. Before I say that, let me also say that that morning, I don't think there were 15 people in that class. I was really happy to see over 50 or something this morning in our Sunday school class. And was anybody here today in that class November 5th with me? Nobody? Really? Oh, <laughs> Miss Sheila was. Wow. I taught on James, I taught on James 1 verse 17 that God cannot be tempted. And all temptation comes from the evil one. I taught on that because it's kind of like a go-to Bible, a go- a go-to book in the Bible for me. And I'm not going to sit here and say how much I understand it, but I can sit here and say that how much it reeks with David Kobath and all the wrongs that I would live in of the the capital I and everything instead of we and Christ first. So, with that said, Sherry bought me a new Bible. And... Uh, Stormy, who I think possibly walked with God back then, <laughs> Stormy said that the King James was what Jesus carried to all his his work that he did. So it happens to be a King James. Actually, you know, I I read now in the New King James, but this here is a study Bible and a um, uh, a, a, a Greek a Greek. Uh, dictionary and it's helped me a lot. I'm, 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 I'm starting to love this Bible. But in James 5 verse 16 he says confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And, and I'm almost through but as, as I as I read that, that scripture in my New King James, and I went ahead and picked this Bible up to see some different wording, I really like the word uh, false. Um, the NIV uses the word sin, and the uh, New King James uses trespass, NASB uses sin, and the King James uses false. Now, if there's anybody in here that doesn't have any faults, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but probably the person sitting next to you would, would, would have a disclaimer that we all have a few faults. And the, the, the word for fault, uh, how it's used here is uh, possibly a transgressions committed out of ignorance. So not, not someone that's gone and done something on purpose. Uh. Or possibly out of carelessness, or a falling aside, away from the right of truth or duty. And it said, or a lapse in error, and I put slash judgment. So I believe I just characterized everybody here, including myself. And um, so, where to? Find our brothers and sisters in Christ. Talk about our faults. Talk about our, our things that, that we don't quite live up to the mark. And with that, pray for one another so that we may be healed. And the healing is not always a physical affliction, it's, it's, it's a possible spiritual affliction, healed from whatever we're missing the mark on. And he says, as he continues, is the effectual, fervent, prayer. And when, uh, when, I, when I read that, I really like how this sounds, to be mighty in, mighty in prayer, mighty in love, mighty in forgiveness, because that's mostly what our faults are about. We talked about pride this morning in Sunday school. The effectual fervent prayer would be to produce an effect, and he says, "the, effect, the effectual fervent prayer, prayer of a righteous man availeth much." And just just to finish this, this Frank I guarantee you could preach a complete sermon out of this verse right here. Most of these definitions I just gave you are out of a representation of what it meant at that time put into our words. availeth to have or exercise force. So you have force. If you just read that, that wouldn't make much sense. And it's not a Star Wars deal where the force is with you. It's a God thing where the God is with you. The God of Jesus Christ. That's the power and the force that he's talking about. And and the interpretation says literatively or figuratively. Either one. To be able availeth much. Can do. Prevail. Be of strength. Be whole. And the last thing is much work. So two years ago, my pastor said he trusted me. In that two years since then, I've put in much work to learn God's word, much more than I ever, ever did before, much more. And it's a different kind of study in today because I do ask the Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me. And I also ask him to protect me. Because I'm thin-skinned and I need to be more like Christ. Where stuff just like water on a duck is washed right off him. He knew the scripture to tell the Pharisees when the time came. The Bible says that in that time, the Holy Spirit will give us the verbiage to use. And that time for me has been since... November 5th. And I believe all the reading and studying and I did before, my life pretty well showed it was superficial. But I want my life today to show that God's Word permeates from just about everything I do. Now, I'm not trying to tell you how perfect I'm wanting to be, and I am not. But the Bible does tell us to strive to be holy and strive to be perfect. So I would implore us all to use these words and take these words and live with these words on a daily and maybe evenly, even on an hourly basis. So thank you all for hearing me today. I'll close us in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, um, Lord, thank you for the for the, I've made this remark this week of the many M-I-N-I and of the many M-A-N-Y travels and trails and tribulations that we go through. So, Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that these words I'm saying are literally Greek to them because they don't know you as their Lord and Savior. I pray that today will be the day that they step up and they know who you are and they recognize who you are, but more than that, that they accept you as their Lord and Savior. So thank you. I pray for Frank's service. I pray for this wonderful praise team Chris leads every Sunday. And I I lift each and every one of them up in Christ's name. Amen.
0: Come on and join us.
1: He is jealous for me. Love's like a herd. Realize just how beautiful.
0: Christmas time. I, uh, in the past, I would say sometimes I've turned into a little bit of a Grinch, a little bit of a Scrooge. Uh, Christmas time is a little difficult for me, not because of of the meaning of what it is, but just because of kind of what the world has turned it into. Um, I feel like maybe some of us, a lot of us, can get that way uh, because of what the world has turned Christmas into. Um, but Matt brought us this song that we're about to play for you. Um, And it helped to really remind me the fact that the angel came down and said, peace on earth, goodwill to men. And, you know, that's really a lot of how we should represent this season is that there should be peace in this season. There should be goodwill towards others in this season. And, you know, I feel like when the angel came down and, and announced that, that it was He was saying in in so many terms, it's time to put away our silly worldly differences. It's time to put away all of our, you know, little scraps or whatever, the the differences that we have between us and just draw attention to what really needs to be drawn attention to in this time. And that's the birth of our Savior. So uh, if any of you guys are feeling a little bit like a a Grinch this Christmas season, maybe this song is for you. It's called uh, I Heard the Bells.
1: on Christmas Day Their old familiar carols play. And mild and sweet their songs repeat Of peace on earth Goodwill to men And the bells are ringing In my heart I hear them Peace on earth Like a choir singing Peace, Peace on, earth. on earth Goodwill to men And in despair I bowed my head There's no peace on earth, I say. But it is strong and marks the song. A peace on earth could win to make. But the bells are ringing. Well, small out of me, God is not there, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. with these souls.
2: seated this morning wow does that have to be just a Christmas song (laughs) amen if you have your Bibles this morning turn to the book of Matthew Matthew chapter 2 that was incredible guys thank you as you're turning there amen give God the glory as you're turning there this morning Morgan's got a video she's going to bring up for us to watch it's about three minutes long But it kind of shows that when your science is in the pursuit of truth, and truth is of Jesus Christ, even the Smithsonian channel gets things right sometimes. I want you to watch what they say this morning. The
6: shepherds are important symbols of Jesus' humble beginning. But Matthew tells a very different story. In his version, there are no shepherds at all. In their place are the famous wise men from the east, following a star. In the film, Balthazar is played by James Earl Jones, the voice of Darth Vader. Where are you bound? Wherever I am led.
4: I follow that star.
6: But why does a star have the power to draw them so far from home?
4: The wise men are described as coming from the east, which suggests that perhaps they're from Persia, a region in which astronomy and astrology were especially important. Everyone in the ancient world thought that the stars were important for predicting events. So it's understandable that people from a region where astrology was especially important would think that the arrival of a star like this would herald an event of almost cosmic importance.
6: But Matthew doesn't name the kings at all, or even say that there were three of them. He simply says, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. Their names and number weren't written in any of the Gospels, they appeared in writings many centuries later. But Matthew is specific about the three gifts the wise men brought with them. Accept these poor tokens of our homage. Incense, to perfume the halls of the mighty. Gold, for kingly rule. Myrrh, the most precious herb of the East. Frankincense and myrrh are luxury items associated with aristocracy, even kingship. So to anoint the head of the future king, you need to have these glorious substances, and it needs to come from figures of authority, hence the wise men. But they were more than luxurious gifts. They signified Jesus' future life and divine status.
4: The gifts brought by the Magi all have symbolic significance. Gold, which is a tool of wealth, symbolizes kingship and monarchy. Frankincense, which was used in religious rituals, symbolizes the priesthood. And myrrh, which is a herb that was used in burial rituals, symbolizes that there will be death in the near future.
6: What does Luke say about the three kings? Nothing at all. The familiar story of the nativity, passed down through generations, is a blend of both Luke and Matthew. Together they show a Messiah for all of humanity, rich and poor.
2: The reason why I wanted you to look at, read, watch that this morning was to point out that the message has, has been annotated historically And been presented in such a fashion that even those who are scientists, those who are professors, those within the the world of academia, even accept the the gift that was given unto us. They may not accept it in a spiritual way, but they do not deny the fact that Jesus was born and that the stories within the book of Matthew and Luke, as presented, are factual. These are the things that have happened. Now, what I want us to look at this morning is in Matthew chapter 2, and look at these, these magi, these wise men. It says in chapter 2, starting in verse 1, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them, where the Messiah would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least amongst the leaders of Judah, because out of you will come a leader who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him... Report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way and there it was, the star they had seen in the east. It led them until they came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. There's several things within this passage of Scripture that we can glean, but there's something I want to make sure we wrap our minds around. But before we do so, I would like you to, to humor me just a little bit this morning. Because I'm going to share a story that I think should never, ever, ever grow old. And especially with those who know who Jesus Christ is. It's a story that we should wrap our mind around to such a point that we can continually share it over and over. We have learned way back in the book of Genesis, long before creatures roamed the earth, there was an incredibly powerful and mighty king, a great king, who issued a decree. And when he issued this decree, the universe came into existence. Amen? When he spoke, everything came to be. Within his endless imagination and detail, the king created the heavens and the earth. And he filled the earth, the waters, and the the sky with living creatures of of every shape, of every color, of every size. All things were created there out of his imagination, out of who he was. And he, he, he spoke it into existence. And then this king... This incredible king reached down into the earth from whence he created. And he took a handful of dirt. A handful of, of loose soil, if you will. And he molded it. And then he breathed in his likeness into this dirt. And he breathed into there. And from this dust, king, the king, this great king, made a man in his image to share the happiness of all his creation. Amen. Hallelujah. And then... As if that wasn't enough, he said, you know what? It's not good for man to be alone. So he he took a rib from Adam's side and he made woman. So he places them in this garden. Here the king has created all things. He places them in this garden and he plants these two trees within this garden. One was called the tree of life and the other one was called the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he puts Adam and Eve, as he names them, into this garden. He says, go and rule. Be Lord over all that I have created, but do not touch of these two trees. Do, do not touch of this tree right here of good and evil. Do not eat from this tree, for you shall surely die. The man and the woman, they, they took the king's counsel, and they, they, they had a great time of fellowship with God, something with, that we can have in prayer. but they actually walked with God in the garden. They had that kind of time and that kind of relationship because sin had not been brought into the world and there was happiness and this man and this woman, they, they enjoyed this. But in the shadows, there was a rebel and this rebel watched the caretakers that God had created and they, and this rebel, he envied their happiness. He envied the fact that God could create and create more that would love him and, and be a part of him. And it just aggravated him and it got under his skin and he couldn't handle it. So disguised as a friend, this rebel engaged the woman in a conversation. He starts talking to her and, and kind of gets her trust a little bit. And, and he starts raising questions within her mind that she had never thought about before. He starts asking things to get her mind to start thinking and rotating and and moving around ideas that were never there before. Kind of like I shared last week, sometimes if we speak about something, all of a sudden our mind just sits on it until we do something we normally wouldn't do. He is speaking to her and got her mind thinking on all this stuff. What, What was it that the king was withholding? What is it that this good and mighty king that's been hanging out with us, that he doesn't want us to know. And rather than just living in faith with him and enjoying the happiness, she allowed the seed that this rebel, the enemy, had put in her mind to start taking root within her. And finally, curiosity got the best part of this couple, And no, it wasn't just Eve. You know, we like to point the finger and say it was all Eve's fault. The Bible says she turned to Adam. Adam was there with her. He watched as she reached forth to the fruit and then partook when she handed it off to him. She was first, but Adam should have maybe slapped her hand, but he did not. The two were there in the garden and they allowed that doubt to take over them. And tasting that forbidden fruit the two of them suddenly felt afraid. The two of them were incredib- all of a sudden was incredibly vulnerable. The two of them didn't know which way to go from that point then. It was like, oh my gosh, I, I understand more. And they grabbed these leaves to, to cover themselves up and they ran to hide from the great and merciful and loving king that they had been so happy with for so long. Once sin came into their life, they, they, they ran from them. They ran and hid themselves. Life would never be the same life could never be the same anymore because this great king could not reside in the presence of evil this great king could not reside in the presence of sin but this sin had taken hold and now the life was totally different and life moves on Season after season, year after year, new life comes and passes, and generation after generation comes and passes. Yet this king never forsook his people. He looked down and he promised his people, there is going to be a chosen one. There is one who is coming to my chosen people. The world is going to be blessed with a Savior. The world is going to be blessed with a Messiah. The world's going to have an opportunity to get back into that relationship with me that me and that first Adam and Eve had. That relationship's going to come again. Now, that that kept being put forth, but that promise usually was falling on deaf ears. His chosen people, whom he kept making the promises through the prophets to, chose to run their own path chose to do their own things. If you've been in our Sunday school class or our Sunday evening classes, we're studying the book of Ezekiel. If you've read throughout the the Old Testament, you can just see how horrible the chosen people chose to be so oftentimes. His people continued to test his patience until finally he just stopped talking to them. He got quiet. The people started going their own way. And it was 400 years later that that silence was broken by the cry of a baby. 400 years later, till that promise that he'd been making to them was fulfilled. 400 years there had been silence, but now there was a young woman who gave birth to a child whose name was Jesus, who was the Savior of the world. And this child grew up, To become the servant of servants, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He was born into this world to restore what was lost in that garden, folks. People who say that the Old Testament does not matter does not understand the New Testament. For there would be no need of the New Testament if we didn't have the sin fall in the Garden of Eden. We need to know the whole story here. What happened in the garden separated man. But when Jesus was born on that day, the Savior, the pathway to redemption was brought forth onto man, to his chosen people, so that we could get back to where we once were. His story needs to be and must be told over and over and over because his story is the greatest story ever told. His story is the story of the redemption of man, of the redemption of you and I. We would not be able to celebrate. We would have nothing to celebrate if Christ had not come back into this world. And everlasting joy waits for everyone, every single individual who welcomes him with their heart. Everyone who accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I'm not saying that they know of Him. I'm saying that they accept Him and know Him. Every person who wraps their heart around Him can have that joy and that that happiness that was there in the very beginning. His message, His coming was brought forth. His coming was predicted by the prophet's His coming was presented to the people over and over and over. The coming of a Savior should not have surprised anyone, but yet it did. It surprised its parents. It surprised the Jewish leaders. It surprised the shepherds who were herding their sheep in the field when the angels came and sang the chorus. There was so much silence, they had forgotten who he was. But folks, I would share with you this morning that just as they should not have been shocked, neither should we. God had been dropping clues for thousands of years and he continues to drop those same clues today. And today we have the Holy Spirit to draw us, the Holy Spirit to give us direction and understanding. It should not shock us that the heaven of the, uh, the, 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 that the God of the heavens, the one, the great king who spoke everything into existence, It shouldn't shock us that he didn't chose not to turn his back on us because he told us who he was and how much it hurt him with, with the sin coming into the world. But he also said, I love you enough that I go and will prepare for you a place built with hands, not of this world. Jesus cares and he cares enough for us that he came back into this world And he was announced by an angel, by a heavenly host. They sang out over the shepherds that day that here is our Lord. The birth of our long-awaited Savior was announced with nothing less than a heavenly chorus. Hallelujah. The shepherds were told what? Do not be afraid. I bring to you what? Good news. I bring you the good news of great joy that there will be joy to all the people today. In the town of David, a Savior has been born. Hallelujah. That starts our message. That starts who we are. The gospel message. The most important message that we could ever share in our lives. The most important message that we can ever pass on to anyone else. We are are quick to pass on family traditions. We're quick to pass on recipes. We're quick to pass on pictures of this. And we'll tell things that's happened in our life. But guys, I would submit to you this morning, the greatest story that you can ever share is the story of a great king bringing this heaven into existence, choosing once we chose to turn our backs on him to love us anyway and bring the Christ child into our presence. Hallelujah. We should never... Ever get tired of reiterating that story? We see in our passage of Scripture, in the opening passage this morning, that Jesus was worshiped by these wise men. And you may be saying, Well, where where are you going with all this, Pastor? There's a question I want to make sure we understand. What do you call a group of guys who follow a star and, and thinking somehow it's going to lead them to a newborn king? The Scripture says, wise men. Wise because they knew what that star was. Now, I I, kind of was thinking about this this past week and I thought if it had been wise women, it would have been different, wouldn't it? What would have happened if the wise women thought about it? They would have asked for directions. They would have got there on time. They would have helped deliver the baby. They would have cleaned the stable. They would have made a casserole. They would have brought all the right gifts. Everything would have been done correctly, right? Instead of showing up two years later and saying, whoa, all right. Seriously, though. I know, my, my mind takes detours sometimes. <laughs> now what do you start, David? Yes, that was legally prescribed Adderall to David, just so everybody knows. <laughs> but these gifts speak volumes of who these wise men were. But, but, and we'll touch briefly on the gifts just as they did. But here's what I want to make sure we understand. These truth seekers, these wise men, these magi of the East, they were convinced that this unique star was destined to direct them to royalty. That this unique star, as she pointed out, these were astrologers. They would have been studying the sky and all of a sudden this new star comes into being. Well, they would have remembered the scriptures. They would have remembered the things that Daniel had taught so many years earlier. They, they, they may have been thinking about Numbers chapter 24, 4, verse 17, when it said that a star will come out of Jacob and a scepter will rise out of Israel. Whatever it was that convinced them, when they saw that star go up into the sky, they realized royalty has come into our place. Royalty now resides on this, on this, this, this ball, this earth. That royalty beyond anything that a king sitting on the throne has come in. That celestial king has entered into this presence. And one thing's for certain, guys. They followed that star in hopes of truth. They wanted to see the real king. The true king. And that's why the Bible says that truth shall set us free. Because when we see the real king, when we see truth, when we see the the very Savior, the the, the hands of God that came and died for us but rose again, that truth shall set us free. When that star led them to Jesus, they realized that their search had paid off. And what did they do? They were so overjoyed at their discovery, they responded in the only way that they felt was appropriate. They responded in the only way that the the Spirit of God coming upon them. They bowed down and they worshipped him. This is incredibly important that we recognize this morning. These were mighty men that came out of the east. There would have been an entourage with them. These, these were the leaders. These were the intelligent ones. These, these Some say it was kings. Some say just the magi. Whatever the name you want to put there. These were incredibly wealthy, powerful men who had traveled. And yet when they saw Jesus, they bowed down and they worshipped him. Why? Because they realized that they were in the presence of royalty that was beyond anything that they could ever be a part of. And they not only bowed down and worshiped him, they gave him gifts. They gave him gold, which was a gift worthy of a king. They gave him frankincense, as the video says, was a, this was a valuable perfume that was, was an incense that was burned when prayers were, was, was given, and the prayers would lift as the incense unto the eyes of God. And then that special incense used uh, uh, in myrrh, that was reserved for, for embalming and those kinds of services, a gift that was suited for a funeral. More than a birth. And they were foretelling. As they stood there that day. They brought these gifts. That God had placed upon their hearts to give. That even from the infancy. Of Jesus Christ. The cross was being predicted. That this was a king. Who would hear the prayers of the people. But yet will still die. A very imminent and early death. We, we've heard about these gifts. That were given unto the king. As I was reading over this story. This past week. And I thought about. How they bowed down and worshipped him when they saw him. How they presented the gifts to the king when they, when they saw where he was. This little boy who would have been about two years old. The star led them right to, that, to that, that barn. Led them right to this home. And they laid these gifts down there. I couldn't help but think of us. I couldn't help but think of you and me. It hit me right then. These wise men, they didn't know who Jesus was. They would, if, if Mary and Joseph and Jesus had been walking through the market, they wouldn't have picked him out. They didn't know who he was. They were following a star. They were just following what God was leading them with. And this star took them to the very place where they would meet the king of kings, the savior of the world. They didn't know what he looked like. They didn't have any idea what they were going to find. Yet they already knew that if I'm going to seek out this king, if I'm going to seek out this royalty, I need to bring and bear gifts. And in bearing those gifts, as soon as they came into his presence and they recognized who he was, by not by his looks, but by the spirit of God, they bowed down and worshiped him and laid them gifts down there. Now, this is what's incredibly important for us to notice this morning and, 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 and think about. They didn't know who he was. But yet, as soon as they did, as soon as the realization is the Spirit of God came upon them, they got on their knees. Now, we in here, most of us, I think, would say, oh yeah, we know Jesus. I think most of us in this room, would, if I was to ask you, you would say, oh yeah, I know Jesus. Then when was the last time you bowed down to him. When was the last time you really, really worshipped him? Because here are the, 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 these wise men, they don't even know who he is. And As soon as they see him, they bow down and they worship. We come to church, we live our lives, we claim to know him, but yet we'll go weeks, months sometimes without ever bowing a knee. We'll go however long it is and throw up these flippant little prayers. You need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. Oh, yeah, and bless my food while you're at it. That's not what the wise men did. When they recognized they were in the presence of celestial royalty, spiritual royalty, they bent down to the ground. These are kings themselves or academic, intelligent people. They got on their knees and they bowed down. What was the last gift that you brought to Jesus? When was the last time that we, we looked into ourselves and admitted that we were not what God intended us to be and, and that we want to give him this gift of, of seeing that I choose to live for him because he chose to die for me? How many times do we stop and, and see how the enemy has tricked us into saying or doing something that we shouldn't do and rather than giving the give back to God by saying, forgive me, by going to that person that you have offended and saying, I'm sorry. How many times have we taken whatever it is the enemy has done and try to hide it? When in reality, the best thing you can do is go to the Lord who wants our fellowship, who wants our relationship. When we know that sin is a hurdle between us and God, the best gift that we can give God who designed us, created us from the dust of the earth, breathed our spirit into us, the best gift we can give to God is saying, Father God, forgive me. I turned from what I was and what I did, and I want to break myself humbly upon your throne. God then sees you bowing down and worshiping him and bringing gifts. We sing these songs and we talk about the three wise men at, at Christmas time. But guys, we have been called to walk wisely every day. And how can we walk in wisdom? By putting our pride, our ego, our wisdom to the side and seeking out and searching out his. You see, I could ask you, do you know Jesus? But the more pertinent question is, how does he know you? Usually you can say, well, I have a testimony. I know who Jesus is. But how does Jesus know you? Does he know you because you bow down and you worship him daily? Does he know you because you bow down and you you acknowledge him? That you admit that you are a sinner and and you claim him as your Lord? Does he know you because he he knows that you're going to get down and say, you are the son of God? And I worship you on a daily basis. How does God know you and I? Does he know us because we admit that he is the God of all creation? That we worship him because he he came for this world and myself. He died on that cross and shed that blood so that I can have redemption and salvation in him. Does he know you and I because we claim that every day? Do we humbly get on our knees and acquiesce our authority into his you know brother kelly brought up in sunday school again this morning a very pertinent thing is that the jurisdiction we step outside of our jurisdiction so often and sometimes we even step outside of god's jurisdiction and start doing things on our own when it really was god's to do and it's then that we, when it is put forth to us, when when James, as he said in the book of James, when God tells us and pre- presents that to us, it is then that we need to stop, bring our mouths, bring our actions, bring everything we are back in line and say, God, here I am. Think about it. For a period of time, heaven lost out while we gained. The Son of God left heaven to come down to this earth for you and I. Heaven lost the Son of God, because he chose to leave it all behind to make a pathway for you and I. When we recognize the power and the gift that was given unto us, I don't see how we could not bow down and worship him. It's when we forget about that gift. It's when we quit telling that story over and over. We say, oh, I know that story, and you move on. The more you say, I know that story, the more you're going to move out of from under his jurisdiction the more you'll forget just how powerful the gift is that we celebrate at Christmas. Chris mentioned a while ago about how commercialized Christmas has become in this world. Christmas stuff was out, Chris, in September this year, I saw. September, and maybe even earlier. That's just when I saw it, and I don't like to go to the store much. Yeah. How commercialized it's been. But guys, it doesn't matter what they do. What do you do? What do I do? I can only be responsible for me. And when I look at those who are called wise, what did they do? As soon as they saw the the Lord, the Savior, the King of Kings, they got on their knees and they bowed down. Folks, Christ came into this world as a real person for you and I to bring us forgiveness, to bring us hope, to bring us salvation. When we recognize the gifts that he has given us, we should not want to do anything else but bow down and give him gifts back. He came so that we could have power and strength to accomplish the tasks and the duties that he has given us. We should on a daily basis, not just at Christmas, not just on Sunday, we should on a daily basis be getting on our knees, bowing down to him and saying, Father God, I am so little in the scheme of things that you are wanting to do. Our pride, our ego, our wanting to be on top should be the gifts that we give over to God and say, Father, I acquiesce it all. We should humble ourselves. You say, oh yeah, we've read that, you know, humble yourselves and profess your sins and he'll heal your lands. Yeah, I got all that memorized, Pastor. No, 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 no. Quit turning the scriptures into cliches and get back to the truly saying, Father God, I truly humble myself and seek out your direction in my life. I want to turn from those ways. I want to give my life to you as my gift. I want to give you my talents. I want to give you my spiritual giftedness. I want to give you my, my time. I want to give you my money. But I want to give you everything that I am. But most of all, God, I want to give you my heart. I want to bow down. Put my forehead to the ground and worship you on Monday morning, on Tuesday morning, on Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday at lunchtime, Tuesday at lunchtime. Whatever it is, don't wait for Sunday school to do so. For if you will be like those wise men, they traveled thousands of miles for many days. And as soon as they found the Lord, they got on their knees. If we as a people are going to say, I know Jesus, then those first ones who knew Jesus got on their knees. If we're going to say, I know Jesus, then ask yourself, how does he know me? How does he know me? So the big question this morning is this. Maybe you're still on that that pathway. You're still searching for him. The Magi had that star. For you, it may be the prophets, it may be the scriptures, it may be this church. You may be watching, watching by live feed or, or on podcasts later, I don't know. But whatever it is that's calling you unto the Lord. Jesus said, you lift up my name, I'll draw all men unto myself. There are people lifting up the name of Jesus. If that's what's drawing you today, then understand that you found the Lord. Not in me, not in this building, but in the one that stands at the door and knocks. And if you will open up he will move in. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior he said that there is no remission of sins without the shedding of blood. However whomsoever believes in me that I am the Son of God and that I died and shed my blood on that cross and three days later rose again defeating death, hell, and the grave and you profess that before men so shall you be saved. We can't partake of the first Adam. He messed up. He brought sin into the world. But the second Adam, Jesus Christ, who was created by God and brought or was was allowed to be created through Mary onto this earth, he died in our stead. He that knew no sin became our sin. So that whomsoever believeth in him shall not perish. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God's saying, here I am. Here I am, and I want to come in and fellowship with you. If you don't know how to do that, I would love to lead you in a prayer. Brother Warren, Brother David, somebody here, they would lead you in that prayer to help you say what your heart is saying. But God already knows your heart. Will you turn that over to him today? And if you are here this morning and you do know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or wherever you're at and you say I have said that prayer a minute he truly moved within my life then how does he know you? Does he does he know you as a man or woman of prayer? Does he know you as a man or woman who bows down before him and treats him like the king that he was when he spoke the heavens into existence? Or does he know you by your laundry list of prayers that you lift up every once in a while? Because if you truly know him, you'll recognize just how large and in charge that he is. And you'll realize how much he cares for you. And folks, I would submit to you this morning that when you truly realize how much he cares for you, No matter how hard your furnace may be. We studied that in Sunday school just this this morning. God didn't keep Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego from the furnace. Because it was for their good and his glory that they went through the fire. But they came out the other sides with all the bindings burnt away. What's binding you up this morning? I would submit that if you, whatever the fire may be. Maybe life just has you. Maybe your emotions have you. Maybe your medical condition has you. Maybe your finances have you. Whatever it is that's binding you from having that joyous life of the garden with the Lord, if you will bow down and humbly present yourself before him today and worship the Lord and give him the gift of your all, I'm not going to say circumstances may change, but I'll say the peace that surpasses understanding will change you. But you have to bring them gifts. And the gifts he wants aren't wrapped in paper. They're wrapped in your heart. Where are you this morning, guys? The three wise men. Science doesn't refute it. Scriptures doesn't refute it. He can't, they came. And when they found the Lord... These great men bowed down in the dirt amongst the animals, presented gifts, and worshipped him. Will you do the same? Let's all stand together this morning. If God's laid it on your heart to walk this down here, this, this altar is open. You can come and pray at this altar. You can pray right where you're at. I can pray with you. You may say, well, Brother Frank, I know who the Lord is. I've known him for many years, but I've, I've gotten away from really worshiping him. Maybe today's the day that he's telling you, it's time to get put me back up front. It's time to put me back into your life. It's time to truly acquiesce. Put that pride to the side. Put the pain and the heartache to the side. Put the, the materialism to the side. Put the commercialism to the side. And get back to a relationship with me. The best Christmas gift you can have this year. Is the gift of a clean heart and a free spirit in Jesus Christ. And you have the capability of doing that because God's made it available. It's your choice whether you partake or not. Father God I come before you right now and just lift up your name. And Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that you will give us clarity and understanding how to be the wise men and women you've called us to be. Help us to go forth and, and truly humble ourselves on a daily basis. Kind of like Chris said just a few moments ago, Lord, as much as I love looking at our Christmas tree in our living room, that tree is just twinkling lights and, and, and color, the true gift resides in my heart, and it is you. If there's someone here today that has never experienced that gift, I pray that whether it be a word, a song, whatever it may be, that you'll show them what they are missing, what they are lacking. And God, if, you're, if they're here today and they know you, but, and we get busy, Lord, we get so busy, and I just had the, the scene go through my mind when, when, when David was confronted by the prophet and when it was told to him that you are that man, how broken he was when he realized what he had done. What he had done with Bathsheba, what he had done unto the Lord, how broken he was and humbled himself before you. Lord, there's so many of us here today that maybe right now we're hearing that word, that we are that man that has turned and walked away. And you know us not by our bowing in prayer, but by our standing in sin. God, help us each one individually to get rid of that in our lives and place it at your altar. God, may your will be done in the hearts and the lives of your people. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. As the, as the praise team leads us this morning, if God's telling you to sing, then sing. If he's telling you to pray where you're at, pray where you're at. If he's you to come to this altar, come to this altar. But will you do whatever it is God's laid on your heart to do this day? As we sing, Chris. Amen. Praise the Lord. Give God the glory this morning. Hallelujah. We still have some folks at the altar, so I would ask you to respect them as they're praying and, and getting their heart right with the Lord, whatever it may be. But guys, it's been great seeing everybody this morning. I praise the Lord for each one of you. Let's leave out of here a little bit more wise than the way we came in. Let's start bowing down. Let's purpose in our hearts to have that inner character so that when that outer pressure comes on, I know the first thing I need to do is bow and praise the Lord. Because when we do that, you are a force that is greater than any that the enemy can ever come up with. And victory shall be yours. Amen? Amen. It's good seeing everybody this morning. Praise God for each one of you. Keep looking up. Remember, no service tonight, but stay and have a fellowship with us as we go to the Christmas party next door and the lunch next door. Next Saturday is the toy run and Christmas caroling next Sunday night. A lot of of Christmas festivities coming up, and it's good to see everybody as we are bringing those things together. Amen? Amen? Amen. Yes, sir, Rod? (laughs) amen there we go okay brother chris will you close us in prayer this morning
0: yeah god in heaven we thank you so much for allowing us to to come into this place and to worship you and to hear your word god Um, we ask now that you would just be with us as we go guide us and protect us and uh, and set us on your path in your name we pray Amen. amen
1: O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant, O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem.